Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. A podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show. And I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Oh, hell yeah. We're getting going. We're getting started. I hope you're hydrating. Stay hydrated, y'all. I've got my Dr. Pepper. I've got a day-old Celsius. Don't judge. I've got a coffee cup. I'm not sure what's in there. And I am prepared. I have all the things going on because this thing is about to get crazy. All right. Who's my guest today? Well, he is a serious entertainer. Serious, but he's also not serious. And so we're going to get into that and some really cool topics today. He's a speaker. He's a host. He's entertained and educated thousands and thousands of audiences as a professional speaker, an on-air radio personality, two podcasts, two game shows. He's even done an opening act for famous people like Billy Idol. What is going on? Podcaster, speaker, amazing guy, VP of Community Engagement at Sandler, Mike Montague. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, great to be here. Uh, I love the theme of this. I love podcasting. I'm excited to have some fun today. Hell yeah. And so with that, I'll sip on that day old Celsius asking this question. What, sir? Mike, Mike, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. So for me, it's about creating tent bowls in our circus here. So I'm continuing your circus analogy. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I think that when I know what the beginning, middle, and end of the show are, I know what a couple of magic moments I'm, I'm looking for, then the rest of the time I can relax. I can improv. I don't have to prep really hard. I don't have to think really hard. I can just listen, be in the present moment. And I know that if I get lost, I just need to lean on that next tent pole. So I start the Playful Humans podcast with a joke of the week every week. And so I have uh, those pre-planned. I got a long list. It's over, I don't know, 175 dad jokes now that I, I can bust out. And I know we're going to start with that. I know we're going to have a laugh and I can ask people how they play for a living, just like you have your nice opening question there. Then we get into it. I see where that Hold goes. On a second, that sir. Hold on. Did you bring a joke for us today? Because uh, I have a joke for you for your next show when you record it. Oh, yes, please. Uh, you may so, have heard this one since you're the godfather of dad jokes. Well, you do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, do you want to shoot for it? Oh, okay. Ready? One, two, three, shoot. Oh, we won't want to all right. One, two, three, shoot. Oh, all right. I win. I'm going first. Uh, this joke <laughs> is brought to you by self-driving cars. Uh, now that there are self-driving cars, there will eventually be a country song where a guy's truck leaves him with his <laughs> wife and his dog. Uh, okay. The official joke of the week is, what did the bra say to the hat? What? You go on ahead. I'm going to give these two a lift. Hey, here all week, y'all. Here all week. Very cool. Are you ready? You know, it's almost Your like turn. that. Have you seen that? It's like 
Will Ferrell and somebody, and they're like trying to make each other laugh. You know, one of those. Yes, things. I love those. That's kind of what those got me into great. that part of it. Yeah. Um, okay, what do you call a chicken with lettuce in its eye? Chicken with lettuce in its eye. I have no idea. Chicken sees a salad. <laughs> I like it. That's a new one. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Okay. That's your next one. There you go. That's a good one. So when we start like that, it sets the attitude. It sets the tone. People know what they're there for, but also my guests know what they're there for. It's not too serious. We can get right into the, to the show. And within a minute or two, we're already relaxed. We're connecting and, and we're talking about how we can be more playful humans, uh, which is what the show is about. How people play for a living is usually one of the first questions that I ask. And there's a couple of other tentpole questions that I, I have along the way in the middle. So I can ask, what do they do when they feel like they've burnt out or how do they rediscover their fun? What do they do for fun that they don't get paid for? Uh, any type of questions around their play, their experience, how they make money um, playing for a living or um, how they overcome those challenges and stuff, I think are really easy questions for me. And then at the end, I have a closing game that I play with each of our, our podcast guests too. So we usually talk about it ahead of time, but I'll give them a choice. They want to play family feud, uh, awkward questions, two truths and a lie. Uh, they can make up a game if they want, if they have a good icebreaker game and we know what we're going to end on before we even start the episode. So I know when there's about five minutes left, we can play a game, have a good time, and then wrap up with uh, making it about them and their calls to action and stuff. And I, I think as long as I have that basic structure, I can interview anybody. I, I know where we're going. I know the questions I'm going to ask. And then we're just going to see how much fun we can have inside of that that tent with these tent poles set up. I love that. And I guess the, the, the question is, you know, how many poles is, is necessary? Is it as many as your tent needs, or I heard beginning, I heard end, I heard maybe one in the middle as yeah. a sort of transition question. I think those are good structural uh, parts. It depends on what your show is and what the format is. Is it an hour long? Is it a, a random interview? Are you trying to collect data for stuff? I host another podcast called How to Succeed, where I ask people three questions in the middle. It's the attitude to succeed at whatever they're trying to do, their behaviors, their goals, plans, and actions and then their technique. So that one has kind of three big tent poles in the middle as well as the opening and closing. And so when I have those, I know that no matter what the topic is, there's gonna be some sort of belief, you know, myth or misconception uh, about it. I know they're gonna have some sort of regular behavioral plan, something that they have to do with consistency to be successful. And I know they have some sort of hack tip or, or technique that they can share with me and that way my prep for every show is done i know what the questions are i can show up i can be myself and then i'm just learning about the guests and so i think it depends uh on the type of show you're doing but what i love about that is after a year or two of doing the podcast i can now write a book i've asked 50 people how they play for a living or i've asked uh now 175 almost 200 people um what they do when they get burnt out or why, uh, what their current definition of success is. And all of a sudden that's a really powerful data sample. I've asked, you know, I, on the how to succeed podcast, it's over 600 episodes. So, uh, guest episodes, maybe at least 400 
where I've asked them what their definition of success is. And I could mm. compile those into a cool YouTube short or a longer video, or like I said, even turn that into a, a book of how people yeah. define success and, and how they've gotten there, which is to me really cool. Another, you know, bonus benefit of these tent poles. You've got something holding up a tent, but then you're, you're the opposite of the pole is you're free now to have a good time inside that tent. And it's not like you're in a jail where you just have tent pole, tent pole, tent pole, tent pole all around you. And then you're just going right. from one to the other. Yeah. You'd be running into stuff, right? You couldn't have a very good time if you have all the questions scripted out before you start. So really what that does is it frees me up to listen and respond. I think way too many people uh, in general and life in general, you know, are worried about what they're going to say next rather than listening to the answer of the person that's talking or, or what they're saying. So I know that if I have just a few tent poles, I can really listen and I'm just looking for magic inside of that little three ring circus. If I get the three rings around my three tent poles, I can make sure that something magical, something interesting and entertaining happens inside of that circle. And I usually I keep going until it does. So if I ask somebody, you know, how do they play for a living? And they talk about, oh, well, it's not really playful. I work hard and I grind and they go, well, you, you know, you're a tattoo artist or you make sound effects for movies. That's has to be some sort of creative, fun job. Tell me more about that. And I can keep diving deeper until I get to where I was hoping to go. And then as soon as I know that I got that one, I can kind of close that off transition to the the next area and say okay uh what happens when you do get burnt out um what are your recovery strategies what do you do for fun what gives you energy and i can keep going down that rabbit hole until i find the gold and then i can move on to the next one and when i have these little um you know things that i'm looking for i can wait till i find the magic and once i feel like we've nailed it then i can can move on Oh, so many things there, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm a wash in the magic of your answers. Uh, you make it so easy to be a host because I just have a plethora of things over here. A shout out to my seventh grade English teacher. Um, yeah. And the, uh, and the three amigos for that vocabulary right there. Lesson brought to you by the movie. But there's so many things. I, I heard one thing was like closing out a question. And, and just to make this thing all meta as hell, I feel like we've, done a great job hearing about the tent poles and so it was you know i had a little quick check in my mind going yeah that feels good I, i'm i'm excited about that that feels feels well thought out now I could make the call as a host just keep bearing in there but what i what i heard what i heard yeah. after that in one of your explanations was you talking about when a guest maybe doesn't give you that answer that you'd like them to right away like the, the first answer you got back wasn't it. And I'd love to dive more into this. Now, the idea of, you know, things don't just magically go right, even if you have the tent poles, even if you have these things, talk to me about digging digging for it, right? And, you, what, and the, yeah. how do you avoid that feeling when you get that uh, answer at the beginning? Uh, I think there's only been maybe three episodes or interviews that I've not been able to air out of like, I, oh, I you, said didn't air? you didn't even air them over 500. No, um, that I just, I tried really hard and the person would not give me anything or they were just had such a bad connection or, or topic oh, yeah. that they went really sideways from what I thought we were going <laughs> to talk about. And it just, it wasn't a fit for my show for some reason. 
Uh, I disagreed with everything they said and it wasn't <laughs> in a valuable way. I, I love disagreeing with guests and, sure. and arguing about stuff if we can come together at some point, but it just didn't come together or they otherwise were self-promotional and they didn't give anything away in the audience. So I kept thinking of one guy just kept asking over and over again, like, what do you do? How does this help people? How can we do it? And he kept saying, well, if you buy my course, I'll tell you. And it was like, you didn't like tell no, us what said that course? I, I think oh. I just eventually got frustrated. Like what's in the course? What will we learn there? Give me something and got nothing. But, um, I say all of that to go back to, you know, 99.99% of these interviews, you'll get people that talk a long time sometimes, and then the power of editing helps. So, you know, if I get somebody talking, I usually can interrupt or I can redirect them in the place that I want to go, which is great. If somebody talks short, I'm okay with that too, because then I can ask a lot of follow-up questions or I can start sharing my insights and stuff to, to get to where I want to go and find the magic in what they're trying to say. Yeah. Ideally, I, I prep them up front and say, I want, yeah. you know, one, two minute answers um, so I can ask a couple of follow up questions. Don't, you know, don't feel like it has to be one sentence and don't feel like you have to fill the whole 30 minute interview. Give me, you know, your best take on it and then I'll ask some follow up questions. And when I prep them like that, most people are self aware enough to, to toss the baton back over. Yeah. Yeah. It, as you brought up the short answers, I was thinking to myself, what do I prefer? short answers or long answers. Mm -hmm. It's probably medium answers because the short ones, to your point, it's like they're not in their zone yet. Maybe we're talking about something that's not in their passion or their expertise. So let's go find yeah. it. Um, the long though, that, that's what gets to me is when they're just like, they're, they're on a spiel and they're just going and it's not valid. I had one lady, not to interrupt, but I had one lady, well, I yeah. asked one question at the beginning of the interview. She talked for 45 minutes. I did not no. get a second question in. So what I ended up doing though, is I was able to use it is I went back in and edited in my tent pole questions and moved around her cyclical stories to have them make sense and to answer our tent pole question. So I was kind of listening along and I was like, well, she actually did mention that attitude, behavior, and technique. She just didn't do it in that order. And she didn't do them all like kind of sequentially. So I went back in and re-recorded questions and built a new interview that didn't happen, but I was able to air that one. I was able yeah. to use it. Um, other That's people I can usually jump in and, and redirect. Oh, no, what was that? <laughs> well, you I was should. just saying that like other people, if they're talking long, I can, they'll take nonverbal cues. Like I can go, uh-huh. Yep. Oh, they'll take nonverbal, like act like I have something to say and they'll, they'll be aware enough to. Nonverbal clues it. like me holding up my cell phone right now being like, <laughs> just, checking my scores yeah. here. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, I had a someone, by the way, it's really cool that you, you got her to do that and you, she still met your 10 poles. That's, that's really a, a baller move, a lot of editing work, but you got it to happen. And that just brought the point to me of like, when your guest asks you, a, asks you a question that or answers a question you haven't asked yet, like obviously oh, yeah. don't ask it, just move on. It's been answered, <laughs> like asked and answered your honor. Um, but I, I once had a long person like that and, you know, I, I had the call of like what to do. I didn't interrupt. I just let them keep talking. And then I like checked my email, you know, like I, I almost like, I just like gave yeah. up control of my show to them and they just kept talking. 
you know, in hindsight, I look back, I'm like, why did I do that? And so in the future, if people ever get that, I'm like, no, 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 no. We, if, if I'm doing that, the listeners might be doing that too. We got to take control over this thing. Right. And, and I want to make sure you know? I make them look good and sound good yeah. too, right? If they're going on too long or they've said the same thing three times in a row, I'll try to cut that out in editing or I'll try to cut them off and, and be like, okay, I got that point. Let's, let's move on. The one thing you made me reminded me though, is, um, it seems to be the bigger, the guests, the less self-aware they are. So the ones that I've had trouble with, like that Dude, lady, yeah. Marie, uh, a two-time Olympic gold medalist or, or something like that. And had had a big career outside of that. And, um, some of the other large guests, like they have their story, they have their talk tracks. They're just on a roll, ready to deliver them and, and stuff. And so I think you got to be careful, the bigger the guests you get. And then the ones that have never been on a podcast before either, you have a little bit more prep. I, I take care with them to make sure that they're comfortable. They're not nervous and that they're going to know how long to talk for. But I love interviewing other podcast hosts and people that have been on a lot of podcasts or done a lot of press because they know how to make those sound bites. Same. It's like a cheat code. If you have someone on your show that has a podcast, th first of all, it's a, it's a blessing to them because they're probably dying to say something because they've been asking so many damn questions that yeah, they probably have an opinion they haven't quite expressed yet. But you know, you brought up an interesting point. I also had an experience with someone who actually is in the podcasting world, uh, who name who, whose name rhymes with just kidding, and uh, uh, <laughs> but very 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 polished. And, and it was the first time I, I worked with someone who was so like TED Talk, very polished. I actually hated the experience. Yeah. Because I, I didn't actually feel like I was talking to that person. I felt like I was talking to their answering machine. And I, and I tried all of my crazy techniques to, to break them out of it. I have worse techniques now. I have like much, much more diabolical things that I can do. But I just felt like no matter what I asked, they had, they had something for that, you know? And, and so at the end... Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if I know that person. I just spent an hour with them and I'm like nowhere closer. And you got to imagine if I'm feeling that, you know, other people might be feeling that too. Well, their listeners don't even find the show because they've heard all of those talk tracks before too. Right. I can think of a couple of people that I won't name too, but it's like, if you've listened to their podcast, you've heard all of their talk tracks, you know what their take on that is. And so if you go listen to them as a guest, you're like, no, that's exactly what they always say. I learned nothing new out yeah. of out of this whole thing. And it, it's a little frustrating. I like it when people let their guards down and and come up with cool things or we have fun together and they build on what I'm saying and, and stuff. It makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. And, you know, someone like a Rogan, he's feeding you whiskey and other things to try. And you're hanging out using flamethrowers right. for half an hour. And people don't realize that, like... It, they're just not naturally comfortable. I mean, yeah, he's probably a cool guy in person, but like there is, there's some serious rapport building going on beforehand. And so you know, the, the folks that don't do a prep call, and I've heard you say prep like three or four times. So I want to dive into that next. The people without prep, man, you go, you're going in cold and good yeah. luck. And that's why you, you see a lot of questions about warming people up, but tell me about your prep. Cause I'm a big fan of prep. How, what do you like to do? How do you get things prepared ahead of time? I like this one because we're probably going to be a little bit on opposites already. And we did the prep yeah. call, so we know that Thanks. we have a little bit of contradictory. But I think they go together. Um, I think enough prep to make you comfortable and to let them know that you care and stuff is 
important. So in today's cool. world, there's no excuse not to Google whoever you're interviewing and look at their website or their LinkedIn or social media and just see what they're up to, what kind of person they are and, and what kind of things they like to talk about for sure. Um, for me though, I don't necessarily like to read the book, learn everything about them and do this crazy deep dive. Uh, I love the show Hot Ones on YouTube. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Like they do crazy research. I wish I had the time to go in and find Man. things about their childhood and stuff and and things, ask crazy questions. But I, I really don't. This is a, a side project, a hobby for me. And even the one that I do for the day job with How to Succeed, I got other roles. I'm trying to keep it moving. But also... I have a couple of things in my favor. One is I grew up in radio and live DJ and entertainment. I'm used to performing in front of 400 drunk people. I'm kind of an improv guy. I like to do it live. I like to see what happens. Mistakes yeah. are okay. I'm not trying to create this polished interview that's perfect. I want it to be a little messy. I want it to seem like a natural conversation. And so I found that the amount of rehearsal you have to do to make really good prep sound natural becomes like a hundred times the amount of work. So mm. instead prepare myself, make sure I'm comfortable, make sure they know the type of questions I'm going to ask, but not the actual questions and the things we're going to talk about, know that it's safe. I'm not going to do any gotcha questions and you can always say, I don't know, or, or bail out. But by going in with that sort of curiosity and beginner's mindset, I get to ask questions my listeners would have when they're hearing this for the first time. If they don't know the guest, they're going to uh, have the same questions that I do. It, learning about this person for this first time or, oh, they said something weird about their background or they had a job they mentioned, you know, that they hated. Wonder what that job was, you know? And if I've looked up yeah. or I have the LinkedIn open, I might be able to answer that for myself without asking that question. And so I want to have these natural questions that my listeners would have, but I'll add one more thing that I think is a little bit of a, a secret weapon for me too, is with this curiosity and with the audience mindset, I still steal the low lying fruit sometimes from my guests. I don't want to hear the easy answer. Like if I'm interviewing a sales expert and I say, what's this key to making more sales? And they say, well, obviously you have to make a lot of calls. You have to, you have to do outgoing research. You need a number of attempts, you know? And you're yeah. like, okay, I get that. But everybody, no matter what you're doing, key to making a better podcast is to make more podcasts. The number one nah. reason people want to hear your <laughs> show is because you didn't record one, right? So like, we right. got to go, we got to do that. That's mm -hmm. obvious. So if I was interviewing you about, you've interviewed a lot of people about creating the creative show. I'm imagining you're going to say things like you got to do it a lot. You got to get comfortable. You have to do it. So I'm going to steal those low lying answers before you get to say that. So outside of doing a lot of podcasts, putting in the work, you know, uh, getting great guests, what would you say is the key to a greatest show? Now I've stolen those easy answers and we've advanced the conversation based on my research. I like that. And, and you're, you're helping seed, seed the answer, or at least uh, it's almost like a, a weed aside to get rid of the answers you don't want. The basic answers, you force them to go a little bit deeper uh, and to really think about that. Now, now to clarify, you don't actually do a call, right? These are a series of emails no. where you're getting information to people. How many, how many emails? You said there was like a whole series of them. 
Yeah. So I use Calendly for scheduling and, and automating yeah. all of it. There's a lot of prep in the invite. It says like, here's the three tent poles that we're going to talk about, you know, be prepared to be on camera and to have a casual conversation. If you talk short, I'll ask you follow-up questions. If you talk long and I feel like you've got it, we'll move along, but try to keep them to one to two minute answers. Um, I put a lot of stuff in there, um, about the time. So we book an hour, but we don't necessarily start right in the first three minutes. We'll do a little prep call right then and I'll prepare them. We'll pick the games. We'll talk about the jokes. Do you have a joke? Do you want me to go first? Do you want me, you to go? Um, and then some of the stuff that we're going to cover and the show, we booked an hour, but the show is only 25 to 30 minutes long. So I say, look, relax. We've got an hour to do the show to get an hour to get 25 minutes of usable audio. You can start, stop. You can retake uh, an answer if you want, but we're going to pretend like it's live. We're going to do it live and I can mm -hmm. edit out any ums and ahs and make us both sound smart. Yeah. So don't worry about that. But if somehow you really get sideways, it's not live, you know, just call a timeout or just, it's okay to take a deep breath and think about your answer. I can cut out the awkward silence when, before we air it. And so I give really that upfront contract and that prep of like, this is where we're going. This is what to expect. This is how long we expect to go and just be comfortable and be yourself. I'm not going to make you look bad. I'm going to make you look really awesome. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I think that time counts that time before, you know, in the green room, if you will, before right. the show begins, before you hit record, before it's going to be actively, you know, like that, that time counts. So it, it makes total yeah. sense to me. You're not, you don't want them obsessing over these things. Right. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody ask for like all of the questions that I'm going to ask. And, and sometimes I what provide some and usually I don't. I usually just send, here's the buckets of questions that I, I'm going to answer. Questions around this topic, this topic, and this topic. Generally, general buckets of where the, it's almost like an electron cloud, right? You're like, I can't exactly tell you where it is, but I can tell you roughly speaking, it's going to be in this vicinity. So a couple things on this. 25 to 30 minutes long feels like your sweet spot. Do you, and I'd love to start contrasting the, um, you know, the, the side, the side pod, if you will, you're the personal pod with the pro mm -hmm. pod, your professional job pod. Do you, do you vary lengths for those? Do you tend to be the same kind of podcaster on both sides? What's different? What changes? They are a little bit different. So the professional podcast I started, I was really trying to keep it closer to 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I started that one a long time ago, eight years ago now. And so um, salespeople for commutes and, and stuff, like most people's drive is 15 to 20 minutes long. And I wanted them to be able to get through it. It's a business focused podcast. So um, I don't even know. I love what you said in three hours on a Joe Rogan podcast or Tim Ferriss podcast, they can get really comfortable. They can go deep on some things. I don't know how people have three hours a week of extra time to listen to it. So both my shows are very fast from my radio background. I want to jump right into it. I want to get stuff. I want to get through right. questions. If I get an answer, I want to move along. And it real really feels like we pack a lot into that. And, and I try to shoot for you know, like I said, 15 to 20 minutes, but as long as it takes to feel like we've covered the podcast and I've slowed down a little bit lately in the last few years after the pandemic, I feel like I don't feel the Getting pressure old. to, yeah, maybe, uh, but I, I don't feel the pressure to, um, keep it as like 
tight uh, any, yeah. anymore because people have, you know, they're working from home. They have different commutes. They might be working out while they're listening into it instead of driving and stuff. Um, and I've also not that particular. So if I do have somebody that's really concise and they nail it and stuff, I'll move on. And if we finish in 15 minutes, perfect. If it takes 35 to 40 minutes, I'm not going to delete it or fight it if it was all really good stuff. So I'm really more worried about what the entertaining, you know, every kind of three to five minutes, do I have something magical happening for them? Interesting. And the other one is a lot more casual. Uh, the tent poles right. are, are much further apart and uh, it all depends on the discussion. So I give myself 25 minutes to kind of find out where this person is and with their experience is the work play more fun is their personal play more fun have do they have some sort of expertise i need to dive into and i kind of let myself explore a little bit i try to ask everybody um both sides of their life work life and uh play life home life for for balance but i don't want those perfectly balanced in the other podcasts i do try to get five minutes on attitude five minutes on behavior and five minutes on technique and some topics naturally stretch different ways, but I try to make it pretty consistent. On the the personal one, it's really for me, wherever I think it's most entertaining and valuable for the audience, I'll just go that way. I've definitely seen that same kind of contrast where the marketing pod that I do, it's like a little more formal, you know, like the guest is a VP of marketing and we got to show up and be all buttoned up a little bit, probably not wearing a t-shirt, um, but still trying to stay comfortable. Uh, but you know, this show is much more of a chance to kick back, but also learn about stuff I want to learn. Like you said, for me, so right. on that, even the idea of, for me, I w I'd love to pose this question to you and this, this, I would probably make a tent pole if I keep asking this each time, it, the idea of who is the show for, is it, is it for you? Is it for you as the host? And this is kind of a personal question. Is it for you? Is it for your guests or is it for your audience? I think it's definitely for the audience and it, it should be, there is something in it for all three of us, right? It, it's sort of a, an inseparable triangle there. I want to make sure the guests get what they hope to accomplish out of it. And I do ask after we stop recording, I do post interviews too. I've been on shows where they just go, all right, thanks. And they hang up on, and you're like, we're not going to talk about how that went or what happens next and stuff. So they're like, bye. And they click and yeah, yeah, side note with your prep call is there should be a little post discussion too about when it'll come out, what's going to look happen, you know, yeah. is there anything I need to cut or anything that we missed that you want to make sure that we cover before you hit stop, you know, stop on the recording, um, circle back on that stuff. So I do want to make sure they got their needs met. They got to promote whatever they wanted to promote. And I, both shows have a clear, this is it at the end, deliver your 30 second commercial. This is, this is about you. And anybody that's listened to 25 minutes of your talk should be able to sit through it, right? <laughs> or they'll be interested mm -hmm. enough to sit through it. Um, I think on the flip side, though, for me, I get stuff out of it every time. So I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah. I love learning. I love hearing all the guests and even just doing it, having a conversation and connecting with another human being is enough to make that hour worth it for me. So I don't think about myself too much. So during the show and in the prep and the guests that I pick, I'm really trying to pick something that my target audiences are going to benefit from. 
And there is a little bit weighted in there about who I want to talk to and who I want to meet and feature. So I don't just take anybody. Um, but the majority of the focus is who's going to bring value, who's going to be interesting. And when they're talking, what are they saying that's most helpful for the people listening? Got it. So really that the quality of show and, and the end result, you're, you're, I know all three of these people are important, but in your mind, you're putting listeners first. You're putting the audience first. Audience on top. For sure. On top. Who, come, uh, who comes second? This is a, this is a terrible question because it like forces. But like, who who comes second in that order? You know, that's a tough one for me. Um, I would say most of the time the guest comes second because they're another kind of you know client of mine. I want them to have a good experience. I want them to promote the episode. I want you know, uh, things out of them. And I, like I've said, I'm not trying to burn them or anything. I'm trying to make them look good, uh, as my second goal, but I will say it's very close because I told you, I have not aired episodes where, you know, the guests might've gotten what they wanted, but I didn't get what I wanted out of the show. And I didn't think the audience would appreciate it. Well, you, uh, you could argue that that you were putting the audience first. You didn't want them right. to be subjected really more to that content, but them. Yeah. but also there's times where, I kind of think that I know better. This is my show. I know the audience. So my needs do come above the guests. They might be wrong, you know? Um, there's an interesting quote, you know, that the uh, customer is always right thing yeah. is actually, uh, it's actually the wrong quote. The guy who said that originally said the consumer, the market is always correct. That's like the audience <laughs> is always right. If they say it was a crappy episode, you got bad reviews and nobody listened to it or whatever, the audience was right. But any individual customer can be really wrong. I think any individual guest could say, well, I think the important part of my story is X, right. but me listening and knowing my audience, I'll say, no, actually, Y is more interesting to me. It's not that you made a million dollars in business. It's that after you made the million dollars, you quit that business and you started surfing like that's the interesting part not how you made a million bucks um because you didn't even like that process <laughs> you know so yeah. i can kind of read into it and i will sometimes put my needs or my questions ahead of theirs but I, I try to balance all those things are they both fun the pro pod and the side pod yeah for sure uh i wouldn't have done the the professional pod for eight years if it, it wasn't Sure. Um, that is a long time. That That is beyond pod fading right there. That is. Yeah. But there is a, um, there is a, a creativity itch that it wasn't scratching. Um, right. right. So there are some other people and other stakeholders like, well, now I have to worry about what my boss thinks. And we have 400 employees around the world. They're going to hear and share this episode. I got to worry about what they think too. And it's not yeah. just the audience, the guest and me. There's a whole lot of other people involved there. So I do love doing it. It's super fun. It's also very successful, which it's really nice to see thousands of downloads. It's over 3.5 million now over those years. And, um, that part is really fun. And then the one that's just for me, I don't really care if that many people listen. Um, I think the people that find it will like it and I'm trying to let them find the show rather than like promote it and be big. And it's, it's more for me, it's more for my creative outlet and the things that I don't want to do. And I have a lot of fun with that. And 
I've had other consultants and stuff say, maybe you don't start with the dad joke. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't set you up professionally or, or people aren't going to, I'm going to go, no, that's the thing. If they don't like the dad joke, they don't like me. So it doesn't matter. They can go find another show or they're not right. going to, but if they book me as a speaker, I'm going to say a dad joke on stage. So like they, if they don't like that, they're not going to like my services. So I really want that to be as authentically me as possible and have as much fun for me to do it because um, I don't have to. And I'm not getting paid to do that. It's not a job. It's just because I love doing it. And, and that's, that's your cool. baby. Yeah. You, and, and look, you, you know, for those not watching on video, if you want to go check the video, it's on YouTube, y'all, or LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. But uh, you got a smiley face T-shirt. And I got to tell you, I had this thought early on. He wrote it in my notes probably like five minutes in. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a, it's on oh, yeah. brand smiling face from playful humans, <laughs> even cooler marketing extra credit. But I will say, I noticed your, is that a blazer? Is that what that is? Or is that a coat? Yeah. Or a jacket? It, it has a really fun story if we have time to. Okay. To let me just it. describe it. So it's got like these like two white racing stripes on it. I noticed that right away. I was like, damn, that's a cool blazer, but I didn't want to interrupt you because you're in the middle of like a great answer. But I'm like, I just want to interject and be like, I love that blazer, man. So yeah. What's the story behind it? Well, I did want something on my personal brand, something that felt like sporty. I was looking for like an Adidas type blazer and and some of them do exist, but apparently they were like custom made for athletes and you can't buy them anywhere uh, online. And I was watching America's Got Talent a couple of years ago and Howie Mandel had the opposite jacket of this. It was white with black stripes. And I saw it and I was like, that looks, that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for that exact jacket. So I did some Google searching. I found a picture of him on it. I Google imaged that and, you know, like narrowed it down. And I found the jacket uh, online. It was from Bicken, Bickenberg's or something, uh, an Italian jacket. And it was like $850. I was like, what? oh, crap. I was like, well, oh, no. I like it, but I don't need $150 like it. <laughs> So I kind of just had it and every once in a while I thought, and I, you know, if I got a good speaking gig or something, I'd be like, do I, am I going to do this or whatever? And then last Christmas it was on sale for 350 bucks, $500. Off. I was like, all right, do it. I can, I can do it. I've had a, you know, I had a good year. Uh, I'll get it. And so I ordered the jacket online. I'm a, a size 46 and uh, ordered the jacket. It ships from Saudi Arabia. Uh, oh, so it's coming all the wow. way from, uh, or no, Dubai. It was coming from Dubai. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It gets here and it's 46 centimeters <laughs> instead oh. of 46 inches. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, I was so depressed. But luckily, uh, I was able to redo the math, send it back over oh. to Dubai <laughs> and have them ship me a, a new one. Uh, I did the Google map just it. now. That's 18 inches and 18 inch wide. Is it like a little kid? Little oh, kid. Suit? Do you have it or you sent it back? Yeah, yeah. I sent it, sent it back and, and they sent me. The, oh, okay. The right okay. That'd be funny if you had like a mini me and you could put that, put that on them and, uh, but yeah, different size. Wow. Luckily enough, they were, they're nice enough to take their return, which was great. And they didn't have the sizes <laughs> listed on the, it didn't have measurements listed on the website. So um, if you see, you know, you know, men's jackets, you're like, if I wear a, a 46 or 42, like I'm going to click on that and buy it. I'm not going to think anything of it. So no, it's awesome. I feel like it's know. one of a kind of the great personal brand for me yeah. and it makes it fun when I do speaking events and, uh, public 
stuff that I, I get to do my my personal style and and something that yeah, nobody that's, else. Yeah, that's has. cool, man. And it's a personal brand, and it's and to your point, it's authentic. It's what you do. Um, I you know I'd love to go back to this. It, it's six hundred episodes, right? For uh, for Sandler for the. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the exact number? Six hundred and. Uh, Oh, I don't, because I actually have a company that schedules them and stuff. Oh, all the right, time, right, so right. I so yeah, it, it, so it's over six hundred. We crossed six hundred this year, probably six hundred twenty-five ish. Okay, so can you look back? I feel like you're like grandpa podcast because I've hit <laughs> three hundred maybe, but like six hundred feels like a long time more than I can imagine. Can you talk to me about the evolution? Did you hit? milestone did you hit points where you changed it up has it been the same the entire time did you get restless at 100 did you get restless at 300 or 400 and how have you been able to keep doing it uh great question there is a lot of evolution believe it or not the show is pretty much the same those tent poles are are the same now later now i do special episodes sometimes you know and i'll just do like an audio blog and and do my own thing or I've had special occasions where I had a guest. Um, we did like a role play roulette where we did sales training role plays in the style of different celebrities, like impressions, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I would do like, you know, we spun a wheel. And so I'd get like Christopher Walken doing a cold call and be like, and you know, I don't know if my name sounds familiar, but, <laughs> and so we'd have to do the cold call. Is this a good time? Yeah, this is a good time oh, uh, for us to talk. Uh, so we did a bunch of like funny things like that along the way, just because I can and you get bored and you want to do something silly. But the, the main yeah. show has been that way. I did a couple of series along the way too, where I, I doubled up for a couple of weeks to try and pour gasoline on the the fire. And and we had these uh, Sandler rules is what they're uh, called. So they have fifty two and in those. So. I recorded short audio blogs on the 52 rules and then did one of those a year on Friday for a couple of years just to, to double up. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is the technology. If you go back and listen to the first show, I'm better on the microphone. I'm more comfortable. I'm a lot more uh, confident about where I'm going now, but the questions are generally the same. The big difference is like audio quality. I've switched to video. So we do it on YouTube now and we create shorts sure. out of it. I went through, um, I think we started recording in Skype and then went wow. to Zoom, then went to Squadcast. Now I do uh, StreamYard so I can have a little bit higher pr- production quality. And um, well, higher than I've Squadcast, shots fired. Podcast editors and different tools <laughs> and people and, and stuff along yeah. the way. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, I wonder, and my theory then, I, I guess is perhaps this tent pole strategy what has been able to allow enough flexibility to keep things fun, you know? And had you I think so. scripted out every freaking answer, then maybe you would be bored of the same 10 questions, but you've got a couple of the same and they're in rough vicinity, but you have so much flexibility that every show can really be different. Yeah, I think every show is different. It's still interesting for me and the audience after after 600 episodes. And I don't, it makes the prep really easy for me too. If I had to really research each guest, dive deep, write new questions every time, there'd be times where I just don't 
have it. And so you reminded me of the other thing I do, which is I pre-record a lot. So there's been times where I've been, you know, a week ahead of time. And there's times where I've been six months in the the can of episodes I've already pre-recorded. And that takes a lot of the pressure off of where if I have six months of episodes, I can get burnout and I could take a couple of months off from interviewing <laughs> if I want and just let it coast for a minute and then come back to it or get really picky about my guests and say, okay, instead of just taking anybody, now that I've got three months in the can, I'm going to wait for somebody that's really good, something that would really get me excited uh, about it or, or to talk to or do some outreach to really big name guests and stuff. And so there's lots of different ways to get rid of the parts that you don't like. So I, I don't do the editing anymore. Um, I, you know, didn't like, especially the video shorts and stuff is really hard to pick one minute clips and make them look good and reformat the different sizes for all the social media Definitely channels challenge. and stuff like uh, that's a lot of work. So there's AI tools for that now too. writing descriptions of the shows and the, the show notes were a big pain in the butt, but now I upload it to, um, uh, podium, podium and, podium. uh, podium and, um, the descriptions are written, you know, within 15 minutes for me by AI. I edit them and put them out and easy enough. And video.ai is the one I use for the video shorts for my personal podcast okay. now. And that's been a game changer. Really helped me avoid pod fade and all the stuff that I don't like. And then, uh, yeah, try to focus in on the stuff that I, I really love and makes it exciting for me. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Where can people reach out? Fellow podcasters, they want to send you a shout out, send you some love, talk to a non-salesy person at Sandler to learn more about that. Yeah. And, you know, like where do they reach out? You bet. Mike Montague on LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me personally. That's the social media channel I use the the most. And it's just Mike D Montague or Playful Humans on all of the other uh, social media channels. Playfulhumans.com is the website for the Passion Project. It's super fun, low stress. Uh, I help, you know, teams play with Legos and do corporate game shows with custom questions or or maybe we put together a uh, Hollywood Squares with your top nine executives or or something. We just have a bunch of fun on the, the side. And uh, there's a playfulness quiz at playfulhumans.com slash quiz. You can find out your playful personality. It's like a BuzzFeed style quiz and, and stuff, which is fun. Hell yeah, my daughter's all about Sailor's that. an international sales training company, so they're pretty easy to find. Sailor.com. Uh, you can find a local office. You can reach out to me or check out the How to Succeed uh, podcast or the Playful Humans podcast. And all of this stuff is right there in the show notes. You can click through. You don't even have to type. We're saving you all that trouble. Just go clickety-click and go say hi. Shoot out a little note to Mike. Don't forget to tell him what, where you found him on the podcast so he knows you're not a stranger. That would be awesome. I love talking to podcast hosts, other creators, and I love being guests on, on podcasts too. So I know I just gave you like 84 calls to action, which isn't the yes. best marketing uh, tip ever, but happy to help any way I can. And I, I love to to just meet other cool people doing cool things. That's it, man. And I I definitely, if you know, the folder on LinkedIn or YouTube, cool people, you're in it. You're added to it, man. I, dude, thank you so much for coming on here. It's been so much fun, really, to to talk to someone else who values fun and and makes it one of his probably personal core values just to play. And so it's been great to, you know, to chat with you and just learn from you and 
and double down on some of the things I had suspicions about and now I feel really good about. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, should we play a game before you go? Yeah, let's, on the spot? let's play a game. All right. Uh, we asked 100 people to give me a title of a parody film. Can you name a parody movie film? A parody film. Hmm. Uh, oh, and it's, it's like Family Feud. So it's like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, parody. Uh, <laughs> a movie that's making fun of the other movies. Um, I, 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 this is the part where it goes on the screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The time up. See, I used to judge those people for getting the X's on the screen, but now I just literally... When you put it on the spot, that's all right. I'll give you a, an easier. Uh, yeah, one yeah, help right. me out. Um, airplane, scary movie, space balls. Wait, wait, wait. Airplane counts. What? What is it a parody of? Uh, just I think the airplane disaster movies and and stuff there. But they also put oh. Naked Gun. I'm not sure that's a parody either. Oh. Or a mighty wind. I'm not sure. I would have gone with the um, the rockumentary. Uh, what's it called? Where they crank it up to eleven? Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Spinal Tap uh, is what I was thinking. And um, great parody movie. Okay, uh, here's one of my favorites. During a power failure, name something you can still turn on. Wow. Okay. Uh, this is a. This is a. This is a children's show here, people. Children's show. Okay, so not that answer. <laughs> um. cell phone yeah uh cell phone is good yes uh that's number six spouse is number five uh on the list in case you're that was my other answer <laughs> <laughs> but uh stove water and radio i think were the uh the other top answers we missed uh awesome well thanks for playing i like to i didn't want to oh. you know i put my 10 poles into your show i think uh so hopefully we didn't uh, mess it up no this is great man um, no, this is great. This is the first time I've ever been stumped on my own show before. So, uh, so thank you for that, Mike. Uh, More no, never invite Mike back. He's a jerk. Yeah. But, uh, but seriously, dude, thank you. And, and for those listening, if you learned something, I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes front and back. Um, so much here, make your own tent poles, make tent poles, people pitch tents. Go pitch tents. People. That's something totally different. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, get out of here, y'all. Uh, but yeah, dude, thank you. Thank you again, Mike. Uh, this has been fun, man. Super fun. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy mix-up and playfully fun episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum. <laughs> <laughs>